Belpia, I hope that sounded as good in your living rooms as it did here. It's good to worship the Lord. Well, it, it is good to have you with us this morning. Praise God for technology. Not only can we join together and you can see me, but Andre has set things up so that I can see all of you as well. Right now. Isn't that cool? And I have to say that you all look absolutely fabulous. Except for perhaps Phil. What on earth are those pajamas that you're wearing? Dreadful. Only kidding. I I can't see you really. I just know that Phil does have dodgy pajamas. Now, if you've been a part of City View over the last few months, you will know that we've been going through the book of Exodus as we unpack our word for the year, which is freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And you know that for the last three weeks, we have ironically been looking at the plagues that came upon Egypt. But I thought, well, we might have had enough of plagues at the moment. So I've decided to put our walk through Exodus just on hold for uh, just a short little while. You see, I've heard from you guys over the last couple of weeks, and as I've been praying for you, I've sensed that God is wanting to say something to us in the middle of our new reality and in the middle of the challenges that we currently face. I believe that he wants to speak to us in the middle of our fears, in the middle of our uncertainty, in the middle of our disappointments, our loneliness. And I believe that he wants to remind us that in Christ, we are overcomers. Jesus said this in John's gospel, I have told you these things so that you may, uh, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. (laughs) But take heart, because I have overcome the world. You see, in him, we can be overcomers of all that has been, that is, and will be thrown at us. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at overcoming in the time of unknowns. And I want to start this week at a place where many are right now, in a place of anxiety. So I want to share some words about how in Christ we can overcome fear. What is it that you're most afraid of? I guess many of us have small or or weird phobias I'm not particularly good with heights, which is a bit awkward for someone who's six foot two, or enclosed spaces, or conversations with French people. It really, I mean, it frightens me. But for a lot of us, fear and anxiety goes a lot deeper. And unfortunately, at the moment, that fear might be very real. Fear of the future, fear of losing a job, fear of illness, fear of dying, fear of being alone, 
And that fear creates a whole lot of unknowns. How can we overcome that sort of fear? Well, we're going to look at a great story in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus is going to ask his disciples a question. Why are you so afraid? You don't need to be afraid. In me and with me, you can be an overcomer of fear. Let's take a look. It's in Mark. Uh, I think the scripture passage is on our website, but hopefully you have a Bible nearby. Why don't you just grab that now? It's in Mark chapter 4 and verses 35 to 41. Just a short little passage. If you want to follow it along with me as I read. That day when evening came, he, that's Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care? If we drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then they were even more terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Here's what I want to do really quickly this morning. I want to go through the story and see how we can overcome fear in a time of unknowns, in the middle of a storm. And I want to do that by looking at three things. I want to look at the storm itself. Then I want to look at how the disciples respond to the storm. And thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, how Jesus relates and responds to the storm. Okay, good. So let's look at the storm. First thing I want you to notice is that storms generally arise when we least expect them. The scene in the boat actually comes after a long day of Jesus' ministry. He's been teaching to and he's been healing a huge crowd of people. And we're told that he fell asleep in the boat. He must have been exhausted. Just as a quick aside, isn't it good to know that even Jesus got tired? (laughs) Isn't that good to know? Because Jesus understands when we get tired. He understands when you fall asleep in the middle of a movie, even when your other half doesn't. Isn't that wonderful? Anyway, it's been a busy day. And Jesus says to the disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. No big deal, right? They've crossed this lake a hundred times before. So they start out across the lake. All's calm, all's quiet, all's safe. And then verse 37 tells us that out of nowhere, a huge storm blew in. 
which apparently happens in this part of Israel, something to do with the fact that the Sea of Galilee is 200 meters below sea level and surrounded by mountains. If you want to know more details on that, then ask Frank, because apparently he's writing about that in his new book at the moment. Anyway, the storm comes suddenly, and the disciples are caught off guard. Ever been in a situation like that? You know, where you're in a nice, peaceful season of your life when things are ticking over very nicely, thank you. And then, wham, the storm comes. And it completely catches you by surprise. And it can literally toss you around and turn your life upside down. Isn't that what's happening? For so many people right now. You know the COVID-19 storm that comes. And life has changed literally overnight. Who would have thought. I don't know. Even two weeks ago. That we would be doing this. (laughs) Who would have thought that lives would be at risk. Who would have thought that restaurants and bars and shops. And many many businesses would be shopping down. Shutting down. Who would have thought that toilet paper would be the number one sought after product? Who would have thought economies would go through the floor? Who would have thought that many would be right now frantically fearing for their jobs and livelihoods? You see, the storm on the Sea of Galilee came out of nowhere. Just like the storm we're facing now. And we, like the disciples maybe we were unprepared and taken by surprise but as we will see not everyone in the boat was surprised so that's the storm so let's see how the disciples respond to the storm well we need to remember that this isn't any ordinary storm mark calls it a furious squall but the greek word used describes it more as a a mega storm You know, like one of those storms so bad that they actually give a name to it. Storm, I don't know, Storm Tanya. So Storm Tanya hits the Sea of Galilee. And we know it had to be big simply from the disciples' reaction. They were, we're told, scared to death. And remember, many of them were seasoned fishermen. They had been in wind and waves before. But nothing like this. Mark says that the waves were breaking over the boat, continually smashing against the side again and again, so that the boat was nearly swamped. Now, I'll be honest. My sailing experience is somewhat limited, but I think I get the concept. When you're in a boat and the boat is in the water, well, the idea is to keep the water out of the boat. I think it's fairly straightforward, but it seems here that the disciples are having trouble maintaining the balance between the boat and the water. So picture the scene. The disciples are bailing water furiously. They're working the oars so as to keep the boat pointed into the waves so that it wouldn't be hit broadside. But the wind and the waves, they seem to be coming at them from all distances. You can imagine the panic. Isn't that a wonderful picture? 
of how we're liable to react when storms first hit in our lives. I actually surprised myself a couple of years ago because I hit a new level of panic. Uh, we, our house got broken into and we were upstairs in the bedroom and Hannah came in late uh, at night and rushed up the stairs and said, Mom, Dad, the house has been broken into. We've been burgled. Everything's gone. And of course, I'd been asleep and then I wake up and I run down the stairs and I spend, I kid you not, I spend the next 30 minutes just running around, holding my head, saying, oh my goodness, what's happened? Oh my goodness, what's happened? And I'm like a headless chicken. I'm doing absolutely nothing. And Linda's on the phone calling the police, calling the locksmith. I'm actually finding it fascinating seeing the reactions of people to, the, to this virus. We, we do see panic, we see fear, we, we see a level of selfishness, and, and also we're seeing lots of good reactions, and we're going to get to those in a minute. But some folk are responding by striking the ostrich pose. Bury the head. All of these actions seem to stem from the sense of losing control, not being in control of your destiny anymore. And that was hitting the disciples in the boat as they faced the storm. So we have the storm. We have the disciples' reaction to it. But now, and this is the key to us being overcomers of fear. Let's look at how Jesus relates and responds to the storm. The first thing I want you to notice is that Jesus actually initiates the situation and allows the storm to come. Look at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Jesus invites them to go over to the other side of the lake. Now, probably so that he could start his ministry the next day in a new area. But it's interesting that the Greek word Mark uses literally means to pass through. The disciples were about to pass through something. Yes, they were about to pass through the Sea of Galilee, sure, but they were also about to pass through a crisis moment in their lives, pass through a storm that would change them and change their relationship with Jesus. A storm which Jesus knew was coming. You see, we may not like this, but Jesus allows storms into our lives sometimes. <laughs> but Trevor, don't we follow a God that's ever loving, ever caring, ever faithful to us? That's what you tell us. That's what we sing about. Yes, we do. But we also have a God who allows us to go through the storms of life. Why? Why did he allow the disciples to experience that storm? Why does he allow us to experience our own storms? Because it's in the storms that we recognize our need for him. It's in the storms that we realize that we ain't God. 
It's in the storms that we grow in our faith and trust. It's as we pass through the storms, we see renewal. You see, the storm we're going through at the moment is shaking up the world. And as we've spoken about over the last few weeks, this virus is shaking the foundations of all those things that we've put our trust in. Our jobs, our leaders, the economy, our health. And yet, it's not nice. It's painful. Incredibly disconcerting. But I trust and believe that this shaking up is actually birthing renewal. A renewed creation. A renewed sense of our own mortality. A renewed understanding of how we're called to love one another. A renewed desire to show compassion to one another, to the helpless and the vulnerable. And yes, a renewed realization that our hope and our trust can be built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his blood and righteousness. A a renewed realization that we have to lean on him as the one true God that's ever faithful, never changing. Sometimes, however painful it is at the time, it's only as we pass through the storm that we can experience that renewal. But here's the kicker. Where is Jesus while the disciples are in the middle of the storm? He's in the boat. He's in the boat. He's in the boat with them in the middle of the storm. Where else would he be? He's always with us in the middle of the storm. He's not on the shore shouting encouragement and giving instructions. He's he's not sitting safe in a lighthouse on a two-way radio. He's in the boat. And we don't have to shout to him to help. All we have to do is, is whisper. He's that close. Guys, some of you need to be reminded of that right now. He's in the boat with you as you lose your job. He's in the boat with you as you have concern for your loved ones. Okay, he's in the boat, but what's he doing? Well, Mark tells us at first he's asleep. (laughs) It says he's on his cushion. That's why I think the disciples were a bit mad at him. Teacher, how can you be so relaxed in the midst of a storm? Don't you care if we drown? But Jesus knew that they wouldn't drown. You see, he wasn't taken by surprise with the storm. In fact, he's in control of the storm. Notice what Jesus does when the disciples wake him up. There's mayhem around him, shouting, panic, waves, water, everywhere. He gets up. He probably stretches for a bit. You know, it's a bit of a scratch. And then he speaks to the storm. Quiet. Be still. 
And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Creation tamed by a word. Chaos being placed into order by a word. Where have we heard that before? That's right. At the very beginning of time. When God spoke a word to creation and it came to be. Light. And there was light. Land and sea and there was land and sea. Stars and there were stars. In in that boat, in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the storm, we have creation itself listening to and obeying the creator. Jesus spoke the word and it happened. To us, it was a miracle. (laughs) To Jesus, it was merely reordering his handiwork. Ultimately, and here's the point, he's in control. Even in the midst of the storm. And isn't that such a comfort for us? Especially when we're going through difficult times. You see, one of the problems with storms is the uncertainty that comes with it. And that is so true of the storm we're facing right now. To be honest, we have no idea what will happen. We have no idea how long it's going to last, what the outcome will be. But of course we want to know because we want to be in control of the situation. And so what we do is we speculate on what might happen. And let me tell you, if you don't already know this, that speculation is a complete waste of time. (laughs) Because speculation is almost always fueled by panic and fear. How am I going to cope if that happens? How am I going to do this if this happens? We all do it. But it's useless. But you see, when we realize that Jesus is in control, that he's not taken by surprise, that he knows what's happening today and what is going to happen tomorrow, that he's sovereign over all, then we can start putting our trust in him. Not in mindless speculation. We begin to trust that he will give us exactly what we need to weather the storm and pass through it. Jesus tells us to pray to our Father in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Not our weekly bread or our yearly bread. Just give us the understanding that we need today. The strength we need today to face the storm. The wisdom we need to make decisions today. The faith we need to take a step forward with him today. Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Don't you know that I'm with you in the boat? As the storm hits. Don't you know that I'm in control? Don't you know that nothing in life is bigger or stronger or more powerful than me? That I stand above the wind and the raging sea. I stand above financial storms. I stand above unemployment. I stand above an uncertain future. And don't you know that I'll give you your daily bread? You see, if you know that deep in your soul, 
you will also know that he will, in his way and in his time, bring you through the storm to the other side. You will be an overcomer. With Christ alongside you, with Christ underneath you, with Christ over you, with Christ before you, and with Christ behind you, you can overcome fear in the time of the unknowns. Can I ask you now to, I'm going to pray, maybe Guys, you have your own prayers that you want to pray right now. Uh, can I ask you just to, to shout them out where you are? You can do it verbally. You can do it just privately. Wh whatever's more comfortable for you. But let's just speak to our God who is in the boat with us right now. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just ring out your prayers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you never leave us, forsake us, or abandon us. You promise to be with us always. And that's so comforting, especially as we're going through a storm. Help us to know your presence with us right now. Father, I pray that you give those who are crying out to you their, their daily bread. Lord, that you would give each of us exactly what we need for this day. Would you bring comfort to those who are really struggling at the moment? Would you ease the anxiety that people are fearing and feeling? Father God, just be with us. Lead us through the storm that we're facing right now. Thank you. Thank you that you're a good God. Amen.